0: Hello and welcome to episode 139 of the NFL Scotland podcast. There's been more cuts in New Orleans than there has been in any barbershop in Scotland for the last three months. My name is Cameron Hobbs.
1: Uh, My name is Paul Mitchell. Don't worry about the big easy. We'll work it all out. As long as you get rid of Jameis, we'll be fine. (laughs) There'll be more hair-raising exploits to come between now and the end of the podcast. We're joined by NFL Scotland and PFFs. Gordon McGuinness, to talk our way through salary cap hell, which at the moment looks ugly for the Rams, the Saints, the Eagles, the Chiefs, the Bears, and the Falcons. And they paid a cowboy in Dallas. We'll touch on that as well.
0: Good evening, Gordon, first of all. Uh, initial thoughts when you saw the salary cap
2: come out? Was it not as bad as you thought? or my, my biggest takeaway in the salary cap is that I am sick and tired of people claiming that it's a myth. That this is the common thing that people go on constantly now is oh the salary caps a myth, and like it was funny for a while because it was like oh look, the Saints have kicked Drew Brees money down another two years oh the salary caps a myth blah blah it's not and what you're seeing now in the last couple of days in the NFL is the salary cap came in basically where, where they expected it I I don't really understand why they're doing this because they know there's a huge TV deal coming down the way anyway so they don't need to do this they're just you know or to make sure the owners don't lose too much money. I'm assuming it's the, it's the genuine reason. But the salary cap is very real, and it's why we're seeing, and I think this week it could be like the Red Wedding and um, Game of Thrones <laughs> whereby Just no one is safe. Everyone is. The, the Chiefs have just cut their their two, well, I say two starting tackles. I don't think both were necessarily going to be healthy for the start of the season, but you know, their two starting tackles gone um, I think tells you everything you need to know about how, how important the salary cap's going to be in this, this next week.
0: So, yeah, let's just touch on that first of all, right? Because it's pertinent. And and, and there are two big names. Ian Stephen from the team mentioned in the NFL chat, you know, it's funny that the two players that have just been cut from the Chiefs are the two players that Mahomes was missing from the Super Bowl. Now, actually, there's some reasoning behind that. Uh, and when you know the full context of the story, perhaps you can understand why it would be. But on paper, dropping Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz does feel like a very bold move when we've just seen Mahomes get hassled more than he'd ever been hassled before in the Super Bowl. But uh, you were saying, uh, Gordon, that neither player may have actually featured all that much next season anyway.
2: Yeah, well, what was it? Was it an Achilles injury for um, Eric Fisher? And from what I can gather, that was pretty horrendously bad, and it wasn't expected he was going to be ready to go when the season starts, so he might have missed all of this year. And Mitchell Schwartz, apparently it's like a back injury that um, I don't know that they necessarily know how easy his route back to playing, you know, this year or possibly even beyond this year uh, is. So it, yeah, I think on the surface is something that absolutely caught me off guard. Um, but when you dig into it, I think probably makes a little bit of sense. They saved like 18 million against the salary cap for two players that very possibly weren't going to play for you at the start of the year. Um, it's probably a bit of a no-brainer, all things considered.
0: Yeah, if you're on a big contract and it's not going to cost the team a lot in dead money to get rid of you, and you're maybe not going to feature all that much or are considered a key player, then you are immediately on the bubble right now, and you've got to be looking over your shoulder thinking, oh, crap. Um, I, you know, We're going to see restructured contracts for players who want to stay where they are. We're going to see a lot of people released, and free agency this year might be extra-level nuts on, on the back of that. And actually... In certain skill positions, like wide receiver, where a Kenny Gollody is going to get a bunch of money thrown at him, there's other positions where suddenly there could be a bunch of players on the market that allows teams to pick up players for much less. I don't think we'll see a lot of these guys out of work. What we are going to see them all is out of money uh, and out of I think, a little bit.
2: What, what I think is really interesting as well is that the, the compensatory draft picks came out yesterday, I think it was, the day before. What people sometimes don't realise, so that's based off of who you lost in free agency and who you gained, but it doesn't count cuts or players who are cut. So if you cut a player, that doesn't count as you losing them in free agency. You've made that decision. And more importantly, if you are a team who signs a player who's been cut, that doesn't go against your ability to get those compensated draft picks. So maybe you were a team that, you know, were hoping you could go and get one of those kind of second level wide receivers so maybe you were thinking Rashard Higgins from the Cleveland Browns is the guy you want to target as that next level down from the big guys well you sign him it's going to potentially impact your compensatory draft picks next year the Saints have just released Emmanuel Sanders can you get the same player the same price but he doesn't cost you you know a third round pick next year because of the big player you lost
0: yeah and it's fascinating and Paul the Saints I've been busy. I I alluded to this at the top, and we've been noising you up. But, yeah, um, Taysom Hill playing every position on the field is going to come in handy next season because he's going to have to play them all apart from quarterback because that's James Winston. But how are you feeling about – like, Janoris Jenkins, the latest to go today, um, saves a lot of money, but –
1: All you need to do, Cameron, is get yourself a dollar bill. And on that dollar bill, it says, In Mickey Loomis we trust. At least I think that's what it says. (laughs) And we do. Now, you take, you know, we've got rid of Thomas Morstead, but we've been, you know, nurturing a young punter coming through on the practice squad. So we're, we're comfortable there. Yes, we're going to have to get rid of pl- the players. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think Gordon really interestingly mentioned that the, the, the compensatory draft, the Saints got two extra threes. Um, and I think that's had a big impact because... If you can draft well, you might get starters, first-year starters. And I think that's a real boost for the Saints to get two third-round draft picks. So I think for the Saints and for teams in similar positions, for them to be good next year, I think the draft this year is going to be important because you're going to have to get your your first, second, and third-round picks all right and plug and play. You're going to have to bring these guys in because that's what's going to help you with your salary cap. Now, I'm I'm looking at. I don't know if you guys have seen this. There's various ones about, but it's the Spot Track NFL Team Salary Cap Tracker, which is. You know, fascinating, full of numbers. The Rams are in massive trouble. They're they're, now currently 32nd as we record this podcast. They're 32 million quid over. But they do have 64 players on their books, so there is room to move and cut. The Saints have got 56 and they're 29 million over. But the point that I'd be interested in both of you talking about is flip that. I don't think if you're a good player, you're going to be out of work. And I don't think it necessarily means that you're not going to get paid what you want to get paid. I think this could be a really good year for the teams that are in the top five or six of you've got the most money to play with. You're looking at the Jets, the Jaguars, the Bengals, the Colts and the Texans. But the one at number two who have got cap space, according to this, of 66 million quid is the New England Patriots. How dangerous could they be with getting players back and having all that cap space to work with? So I think we're going to see stories and narratives coming out in different ways. You know, people, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders will be in a job. You know, there's absolutely no doubt about that. And the clearance clear out of these other players, I think it's going to be really, really interesting. And this is where your front office is really going to have to step up. And, I mean, you'll know this, Gordon and Cameron, they'll have had to have done a lot of this work already. They will know or they will be guessing about who might be coming on to the market. And if you are a challenger, it might not be a very attractive one to go to the Jets, but potentially the Patriots, the Colts are sitting at five. You know they're arguably the best team in that in that top ten of teams that actually could go on to win something. If I'd just been kicked out by another team, I'd be I'd be eyeing the Colts.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating, and there's a lot to come. Obviously, we've we've gone through the franchise tagging process, um, and obviously that's going to be a big part of what this free agency period looks like. I think you know we touched already on Kenny Galladay, and I, and I guess. I still feel surprised that the Lions didn't tag him. Um, clearly going to go in as the, the sort of number one, uh, definitely a wide receiver position. But, you know, he's going to get money chucked at him because as you talk about there, Paul, there's a number of teams that have got cap space um, that that need that. The, the one is the Jacksonville Jags. You know, they're, they've got a number of wide receivers themselves who are going to land on free, agent, free agency potentially. Therefore, do the Jags go right? What's the one thing if you're going to go and get Trevor Lawrence? What do you need? We well, need weapons. And Kenny Galladay, if he's fit, is one hell of a weapon. A big, tall, wide receiver that can go up and get the ball is going to make that transition for Lawrence into the NFL much, much easier. You would imagine. So right away, there's a there's that sensational headline story to happen there. We still have the ongoing quarterback merry-go-round rumor mill, absolutely up to 110. So there's lots of conversations going on there as well. But I, it feels like, yeah, we almost... To, to really sit down and reflect on what this free agency is going to look like, we need to see what's what's still to come with these cuts. The, there's so many positions. The, the one for me is uh, Bobby Massey out of the Bears. I feel like as a, uh, an offensive tackle, it's a position that's so important. He is a player that could go and get paid. If someone's got the space and they've got the need, you look at someone like... oh, I mean, I was going to say the Texans, but I'm not sure that the Texans... They need everything. Um, but certainly, you know, maybe the Niners make a play there. If we're going to lose Trent Williams, then do we go and get someone like Massey? Slightly different player and position, what have you. But obviously the defensive line is something that needs address. So I think to your point, yes, there will be guys who will come out of this and benefit from it. Just because Team X needs to do cuts, it doesn't mean that Team Y needs to. And if that's our power position, then go spend the money. I'm worried about some of the older boys, though. And I think what we might see is a a substantial step change in the average age of the teams, other than the Buccaneers, whose average age is just going to continue to increase. Um, But the the, the average age across the division, I think is going to drop a little bit as there's more of a focus on those younger players who just simply don't cost as much in their early days.
2: I wonder if we're going to see... So what we saw over the last two, maybe three seasons, is that... The, the market value for safeties in the NFL went right down. Teams were happy to sit with like five or six free agents waiting to be picked up in July and August and then go and pick someone up for a year or two years. I wonder if we're going to see something similar almost league-wide apart from a couple of stars in that particularly those offensive linemen are going to sit out in the cold for two months. I've seen um, tweets suggesting that be ready for free agency to be a little bit like, or the NFL offseason to be a little bit like the baseball offseason, and things to run a little bit slower. Which Paul can probably correct me if that's actually how the baseball offseason goes, because I really have no idea. But that's the that's the thing they're kind of talking about, and it's just, you know, what what is that impact going to be? Are we going to see those older guys, like you said, you know, sitting around waiting? I. The Kenny Galladay thing is fascinating for me because it now allows me to get my hopes up and be absolutely devastated when the Ravens don't sign him. Because um, the, if there, if there is, if you could, if you could, paint the picture of the perfect thing that they need in a wide receiver, it was either Alan Robinson, who's been tagged by the Bears and is livid about it, as far as I can tell, uh, or Kenny Galladay from the Lions. So they're absolutely not going to sign him. But um, yeah, you can hope.
0: Like you say, the crushing defeat of realisation is worth riding the roller coaster. I've, for. I've
2: got like a week of
1: hope before you know it's fine. It's like it's like the lead up to a big Scotland game. You get a week of hope and then you get crushed. I I think it's gonna be like, um, and you guys might remember us. you remember doing having to do Scottish country dancing at school in primary seven? <laughs> yeah. So you've got all the boys on one side, you've got all the girls on the other. Nobody wants to ask the girl to dance. But the second that somebody does, you then realise that if you don't ask next, you might not get the girl that you actually might want to dance with. And I think that's what we're going to see is teams will be take it very, very slow. But once things start to move, I think you'll see all the teams having to move at once because you will get left out. And in terms of talent, I mean, yeah. I mean, still, I mean look at Tampa Bay. I mean, they tagged Chris Godwin. That left them with a lot of players unprotected but they've got the knowledge that, you know, you'd be leaving a Super Bowl champion. And, you know, do you really want to just go to the jets or the Jags just to get that big payday? The only thing I would say to Cameron about some of the, some of the older players, you know, if you've been paid, you know, 20, $25 million over eight, nine seasons, something like that. And you just want to keep playing because you love the game. You might do a hometown deal with someone, you know, you don't money at that point. While well, great, it is not overly important. I don't think that's the driving factor. I'm not saying you're going to end up paying to play for teams, but I think you can have a substantial discount along the way because you just still want to be part of it.
0: Yep. Um, it's fascinating. If you look at the list of top players, Agents And the NFL always do a really good job of this, I think. They've got their list of top 101 free agents. And obviously, um, it's Trent Williams that's at the top of that one. But if if you look down the list, the top players, so many edge <laughs> players off the edge. Like, unreal, really. You know, you've got Shaquille Barrett. You've got Bud Dupree. You've got Trey Hendrickson. You've got Carl Lawson. You've got Jadavian Clowney. You've got Matt Judon. All of them in the top 10 free agents. If you need someone off the edge, then you've got uh, plenty to pick from. Um... It's. It feels like there's an awful lot of offensive talent here that's available to teams that isn't necessarily... It's not necessarily got that absolute headline A-grade calibre, bar one or two, but there's more than enough options here to make things interesting and mix things up a little bit. Uh, and obviously, we've still got things to come, like Marcus Mariota, likely to be released by the Raiders if they can't get a trade for him and things like that. Um, obviously, we've seen... Um,
1: well, just on that I mean, it'd be interesting to get you, Gordon, takes on this. Why do you advertise that you're looking to move somebody on like Mariota? Because people are going oh, well, if you're if you're going to move them on we'll we'll just wait, you know yeah. I mean, there's absolutely no point I mean, as a Saints fan, I'll take Mariota in a heartbeat I, quite happily yeah. um, you know, cut Winston, take Mariota <laughs> yeah, There's,
0: yeah, there's, there's yeah, you're,
2: something you're behind gonna, that though,
1: yeah <laughs> you, You're that...
2: going to be stuck, be stuck <laughs> with the number one pick from that draft not the number two <laughs>
1: Uh, but that—that's the thing. I mean, but people look here know that I've always preferred Mariota. It's as simple as that. So I mean, I think if you're a team, you know, the Bears—they keep saying might be a quarterback away. I'm not quite sure quarterback away from what. You know, do you—you know—do you sell the farm for Russell Wilson or do you try Marcus Mariota for a year or two? You know, I—I th- I think this. If I was going to go into sport now. I would love to go into this side of the business because this to me is utterly fascinating to go in and have to work all this out, all the salary caps who might be available, what to go try and, you know, be able to sell players on coming to your teams. This is brilliant. I think this is what makes the NFL the popular um, juggernaut that it is because even in closed season, and we're not going to be playing till September, you know, for real, this is capturing everybody's attention. I think
2: as well, like what fascinates me is that you have the top names, but it's the kind of second and third tier names that I think are going to be really interesting. So let's say you're not getting Kenny Galladay or Will Fuller at wide receiver. Yeah, that's not ideal, but you look a little bit down the list and all of a sudden there's Corey Davis, there's Juju Smith-Schuster, there's T.Y. Hilton, who's, you know, obviously getting on a bit. If you're going down the Bob Agri route, Antonio Brown, (laughs) Antonio, but Antonio Brown's not going to be on, on talent alone would be the top free agent available. But because of the other stuff, you know, he's probably going to be the sixth or seventh guy there. You know, he he behaved himself in the you know, the playoffs in Tampa and you know, did what he needed there for for you know whatever rehabilitation teams needed to see. But it's probably not gonna be enough that he gets the big contract he wants because he's gonna be second or third tier, you know, next to those big guys.
0: I think Marvin Jones in that list is the player that is a lot deeper down the list. Now I guess it's an age related thing, but I, I still think Marvin Jones is a player that's very capable, uh, highly talented at wide receiver. Sammy Watkins has never, ever, ever lived up to the hype, but still a capable court, a quarterback, wide receiver. I'm having a shampoos tonight. I'm going <laughs> on the free agency list. I think I just cut myself from the team. <laughs> Incidentally, Alex Smith was the name that I was trying to think of earlier. I, I'm wearing a 49ers hat. can't even remember <laughs> Alex Smith. Jesus, it's been a long week. Um, John Brown's another one that's in that conversation. I think John Brown's a player who's shown at times what he's capable of. Nelson Aguilar has shown signs of improvement. There's talent there. And then running back, Chris Carson on the list, which I was surprised to see, to be perfectly honest. Obviously, Aaron Jones is the big one. Um, There's not a massive amount of running back talent on that list. But, you know, even Kurt Samuel's done a bit of dual-purpose quarterback running back work actually he would have been perfect to the niners and to a scheme like that um i wonder whether gronk i don't see gronk leaving tampa but he may no he's
2: he's tampa retired i'm sure
0: he the only thing would be if someone's going to chuck money at him but do you chuck money at him when you've got hunter henry and johnny smith on that list as well I think that you're going to put your money towards one of those two if, you're, if you've if you got money to spend. Because long term, they're going to do more for you than anything else. Um, Cam Newton, obviously we've not talked on Cam. Cam's free agent as well. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a free agent. Andy Dalton, nah, maybe not got anything left in him anymore. I mentioned Alex Smith there. I wonder, Dalton and Smith and these folks are the ones that I'm not sure where they end up. Whether they they go for pure backup jobs now. I don't know whether Andy Dalton and Alex Smith would be willing to take a backup quarterback's salary, though. Like, in Alex Smith's situation, where he's, you know, the story's coming out that he's still wary about another injury, is it worth the risk for the low the lower end of the quarterback scale to, to potentially put yourself in harm's way? I don't know. And maybe that makes a decision for Alex Smith that he retires now. I I personally wouldn't like to see it I think he's still got something to offer I'd actually almost have him at the Niners as a backup but yeah just I, I worry for guys like that and I wonder whether there is going to be some careers that in normal circumstances would have had a few more years in them they would have had a bit more money they're going to find themselves now making that decision to just go nah. Not for me. Time to walk away from the game, and again, that comes back to my, where I feel like the average age is going to take a real drop. I think we'll see more undrafted free agents picked up than ever. I think more of them will make teams, uh, and, I, and I think it will be a very youthful uh, looking, we uh, ro- youthful looking rosters right across the board next year. Because the other thing with this as well is what happens to the salary cap in twenty twenty two.
2: Jumps straight back up. The, and that's will what, it? Will they yeah, do that? Well, so, so a lot of people were talking this week that um, the, the Dak Prescott deal and just how much money he's got is Jerry Jones tipping his hand that this next TV deal is going to be enormous and the salary cap's going to jump a lot. The other thing I find fascinating with the salary cap is you can roll over cap. So you might be the Patriots sitting there with 60 million in cap room. If you only spend 20 of that, you can carry over 40 to next year if you carry over 40 and the salary cap jumps up, so you were already going to have 20, 30 million in cap room, you roll over 40 and that's now 70 and the salary cap jumps by potentially, what, 40 million. All of a sudden you're sitting there with well over a hundred million in cap room. So I think there's going to be teams that might actually take this year and try and limit what they spend so that they can really attack when things change in the future.
1: Yeah. The other thing that's interesting is you look at the amount of dead money for certain teams, you know, Philadelphia have got $40 million in dead cap space. The Rams, 34 And you think, okay, they've both, you know, had a go. The Detroit Lions have got $28 million in dead cap space. You know, I mean, if you want to talk about screaming and efficiency uh, and why the, the, this is important, that, that's just stunning. Um, the, the, the teams can do that. Now, to, to flip that, to the other side, there are five teams that are under a million dollars in dead cap space. Uh, the Cleveland Browns are just uh, just over it by $6,000. This is an essential part of, of the NFL, whether people like it or not. And my only counterpoint to you, Gordon, about the salary cap shooting back up is if they can be proved to operate at this level and everybody works out fine, why, why Blow the salary cap up to ridiculous levels. You know, the owners might just trouser them, you know, pop the money in the back pocket. If you can do it at 182 million, yeah, put it up 5% a year or whatever. But I don't know if there's a great demand or desire to have it skyrocketing. I think based on what
2: they're going to make from the TV deal, though, they're still going to pocket a significant amount. And I don't know the details. I'm sure there is something probably tied to the salary cap with TV deals that there probably is. And I think in the discussions on what they put um, the salary cap at this year, you know, in terms of not, not not dropping all the way down after COVID, I think it is all kind of tied to various things like that.
1: So can we talk about one of the other great stories? Um, because we're talking, I mean, I, I mentioned, for example, I think the Saints have got a hit on their draft picks this year. So I think we've got to talk about Isaiah Wilson, who was the number 29 overall pick last year by the Tennessee Titans, he's just been traded to the Miami Dolphins. I said to check twice. I thought he might have been traded to the Miami Marlins, which might have made sense, for a seventh-round pick. You know, he was somebody obviously high up on their board. They thought he could play. How do you get – and it's character issues – I mean, he played four snaps, I think, three on special teams. Uh, he's had a DUI, he's had personal issues and things like that. It also shows you there is no such thing as a sure first-round pick. A first-round for a seventh is unbelievable. In Miami, you're taking a flyer, always. What
2: wasn't even a seventh-round pick, by the way. It was Wilson and a seventh for a seventh. It was so like a swap of seventh-round. It's like the least you can you can ever trade <laughs> something for, is a swap in seventh-round picks. <laughs> it's mad just how quick... Um, it's gone, And I think one of his ex-position coaches in college or something like that is in Miami. So I think that's why they've taken the flyer because they hope that they can um, help him get through some of that stuff. But that's insane for Tennessee to, you know, they, they their view of him is incredibly telling because they think so little of him that they have traded him for almost nothing at all. Bill O'Brien thinks that's a bad trade um, in terms of what you're getting value-wise. So that tells you everything... <laughs> you need to know about what the Titans think about Wilson. Um, to, to give up on him, you know, after, what, nine months? is just crazy.
1: Yeah, I mean, arguably they gave up on him sooner than that. I mean, they, they realised that it had all gone to hell in a handcart um, as far as he was concerned. But it just goes to show, you know, you can go through all these tests, you can look at all the tape you like, and just sometimes there are they're just going to be busts in there.
0: The other thing that's quite interesting with this as well, um as an overall landscape right now is the the lack of the combine and i wonder how much of that is going to put more of a focus onto free agency because there's so much chat and hype around the combine now i know we're having pro days and stuff like that but what you've not got is that sort of focused attention on these new guys coming through and whether or not that will make any of the so i'm now countering my own point but whether that will make any of the NFL teams play safe uh, and and look at free agency to try and fill some of the blanks in before they have to go to the rookies, who they're maybe not getting to see as much of uh, as they previously did. I mean, Gordon, you went over to the Combine a couple of years ago. The, it, there's so much importance put on that. Do you think that has any massive impact this year?
2: I think it's going to impact some teams. It really shouldn't impact you that much. Um, it's 2021. There's enough information out there. You can actually, a lot of the stuff at the Combine in terms of the 40 times and all that. Recently, people have been talking about how you can get play speed now with, you know, smart vision technology or all those various things. So you can work out how fast a guy is on the field based on that. But I do think it's going to be interesting to see which teams trade away picks this year for picks next year. Teams that think, okay, we want to be able to have more information on these players. If you look at the draft historically, good teams at drafting are not much better than bad teams. There's a significant amount of luck. So if you're a smart team, you could be looking to take advantage of that and trade, you know, get some additional picks this year because the value of next year's picks might be even lower, all that stuff. Or, you know, you could be a team who tries to sell in the next year thinking you're going to draft better and it just winds up hurting you long term.
1: Yeah, I think the the combine is almost a made for TV event. I mean, it is. It provides hours and hours and hours of endless coverage uh, for the NFL Network, which of people isn't running necess- about. <laughs> Yeah, it isn't necessarily a bad thing, but l- l- let's be honest. You know, I mean, you're being asked to run, jump, touch, and do. I mean, it's like superstars from the from the eighties. I mean, it, it's a made for TV thing. I'm with Gordon. There's nothing that you probably wouldn't be able to tell in normal situations, given the fact. It just, I think, the combine is a mixture of a jolly to allow coaches to come together and talk to each other. The same for general managers. It's a networking event as much as anything else. And you're just having to do it in a slightly different way. And as the likes of Isaiah Wilson can prove, even meeting people face-to-face doesn't necessarily tell you all you need to know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So free agency coming up then. Right, let's, let's look at that in particular. What... Who, which teams do you think are best positioned to really make a big impact at free agency? And who do you expect to see being the busiest?
1: I, I, I've said already, I think the Colts are in a brilliant position, given, given the cap space that they have. Um, you know, they're a good team and they're the fifth most uh, on the ranking uh, of available money they might sense, it's interesting, you know, Gordon said some teams might be a bit cagey this year. This could be the year for the Colts to roll the dice and actually go for it and think that other teams aren't going to go for it. So this could be the the year for them to do that. The Chargers are in 10th. I think this is a big year for them. They've proved, thanks to a doctor's ineptitude, that they've got a really good quarterback. Tyrod Taylor taken out with a collapsed lung by his own doctor, allowed them to play Justin Herbert, offensive rookie of the year. They've got money to spend. You know they've only got forty-six players signed at the moment. They've got space, you know, to to bring people in. So I th- I think they're a really interesting destination as well. New coach, etc., etc. Cetera, et cetera.
2: So I think the AFC is fascinating. Um, you look at the top, and I'd argue that the Jets and the Jaguars are a year away from being in a position where it's smart to spend big money. They're both well. The Jaguars definitely. I think the Jets, if they're smart, will draft a quarterback at number two overall you probably need a year for those quarterbacks to come in. So save some more money again this year, roll that into next year, and then be able to be more aggressive with what you do there. The Colts, I think, are a great shout, as Paul said. I almost feel like trading for Carson Wentz is not the biggest move you can make at quarterback, but that is a roster that all they need is a quarterback. And if they are going after Wentz, it's probably worth them putting the foot to the floor you know, being aggressive in free agency and trying to see what you can do with him with a coach that obviously he had some success with. The team I think I'm most interested in is the Cleveland Browns. They've got like, what, about 25 million? Um, I think that includes the rollover cap they got from last year. They were, you know, a quarter away from beating the Kansas City Chiefs. They were, you know, pretty close. If Chad Henney doesn't run for that first down, they might get the ball back in that game. They're in a division with... The Ravens, who obviously you would expect to be able to compete again, the Bengals, who should be on the rise, the Steelers, really you would expect are probably dropping a little bit. If the Browns, you know, can go out on defenses where they struggled last year, maybe they can go and add another edge defender opposite Miles Garrett. Maybe they're a team that goes and gets like an Anthony Harris at safety that you know they really struggled in the middle of the field last year. Cleveland, I think, are probably the team that can take themselves closest to a Super Bowl based on the teams that you know didn't get there last year. Or didn't, you know, threatened threaten last year and have the cap room to really make some noise.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, a, an interesting one. It's, I wonder with the Jacksonville Jags and the Jets, the, the two you talked about there, I agree. I think that, you know, take the time and obviously get through the season. You've got early picks, get the pieces in and then spend once that player's progressed a year in and then go for it. But I wonder whether the fact that both have got head coaches, very different, and I think more Jacksonville with Urban Meyer than anything else, whether there's an additional pressure for him to try and stamp his players onto his team and, and whether he goes out and tries to get some of the guys that he worked with at college that are on the free agency list and, and whether he'll spend to get his people in more so than, say, Robert Salah will, who might be more comfortable taking that time and bedding in.
1: See, I think Urban Meyer's got the advantage, obviously, getting the high draft pick. He'll pick a quarterback, whether it's Lawrence, which is likely. I think that buys you all the time in the world for your first season. Um, So I don't think they need to do anything um, because, you know, people will be happy with the pick that they've got. They've got a new coach. You can sell that in the first year. And I think, you know, save your money, position yourself well. I think Urban Meyer will be the kind of coach that players Want to play for? I mean, the younger players coming through, coming out of college. Sometimes you want to, you like, you're comfortable with what you've got. And if you've got a guy that's been coaching in college, uh, that you're you're aware of his reputation, then it it is highly likely he's going to attract people uh, that way. So, I I, I, w- I would don't think they'll be splashing the checkbook. The Jets, you can never tell. I mean, the Jets. It's, the Jets are a basket case in so many ways. I mean, they're, they're all, to, to use a Tony Kornheiser quote: "They're two years away from being two years away." It's just that kind of team, and you've no idea what they're going to do. I think the three of us agree: Darnold's gone. I think I don't think Darnold's a bust. I think Darnold's been a victim of his situation. Sam Darnold could play somewhere else, could be successful somewhere else. I'd like to see him do that. But I think they've got to move on. And if I'm the coach, I'm drafting a new quarterback because that takes the Sam Darnold issue out the building. Just take it away. I don't want to deal with that. That was Adam Gacy's problem. Let's move on.
0: Yeah, it's definitely interesting. So if we look at the other end of the scale, we've touched on the fact that the Rams have the most amount of money over the cap. We've talked that the the Saints are shedding players and what have you. The Eagles are well over, the Bears well over. Is the team in the worst position here, though, the Atlanta Falcons? With 39 signed players and 14 million over the cap, and given how lackluster and poor they were last year, uh, fine, new head coach and all that jazz, but... uh, I mean, are they gonna to have to get rid of Julio Jones? Are they gonna to have to trade him away to 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 actually get something that's worth having on the field next season?
2: I think 14, 14 million is not insurmountable. Um what we've seen a lot of teams do is add on void years. So you're you know, you're effectively half in the salary cap hit this year and pushing it into further years. If the salary cap jumps up in future years, you know, you can balance that out quite easily. The interesting thing with Atlanta for me is that um, their new head coach uh, coming in did a great job with Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee. And I don't know that if they can't just balance the books a little bit this year, they can't be fairly competitive in the NFC South just with a more efficient offense. Matt Ryan's still a solid enough quarterback. Um, the receivers they have are outstanding and they have a top draft pick as well. I, I think they can still be a pretty um dangerous offence, it's just you're probably not going to be able to improve the defence much at all, given the fact you're not going to be able to make much in the way it moves.
1: Yeah, I mean, Atlanta an interesting one. You know, obviously main rivals to the Saints. I don't really want to see them improve. But, you know, new coach, Matt Ryan's capable. It just depends on how much you want to gamble. If you think the Saints are going to be in a down year, uh, the Panthers Goodness knows what they're going to be. Can you take a run at the bucks? That—that's the question. And if they feel they can't, I think they'll be conservative.
0: Yes, indeed. And it definitely feels like the Buccaneers aren't necessarily trending backwards anytime soon. Um, so yeah, time will tell. Time will tell, indeed. So it's going to be fascinating, nonetheless. What we'll do is, uh, I think, as well as when free agency gets underway if we've seen a couple of big moves, we'll try and get a few of us together to talk about things as they land. I think that, you know...
2: Awesome. Bonus free agency podcasts. I love that.
0: Absolutely. I think that we need to chuck them in. You know, we we talk about, oh, well, during the off-season, we'll go to every two weeks. I think there's going to be so much going on here that we need to just get everyone together as soon whether it's 24 hours in or maybe a couple of days after, it's always this time where you start to hear that players intend to sign with certain teams a couple of days before legal tampering and all that jazz. But, um, you know, I think we'll definitely get together and go over it in more detail when there's actual facts. You know, us endlessly speculating is, yes, our usual level of waffle, to be perfectly honest. But who knows? Like, this feels so... No, I'm not going to say unprecedented, but it just feels so unknown right now. There's so much got to happen. I think there's so much to happen even between now and free agency kicking off. That we need to sit down and reflect on what's actually happened. So we'll do that, um, and, and we we'll if, if,
1: if we keep if we keep talking at this level, ESPN will give us a show. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: need to be able to remember Alex Smith's name if I've got any chance of making it on ESPN. <laughs> other than Monday Night Football, I've got a good chance still to make that. Um, right, other stories then. Uh, anything else that's going on at the moment? I think I want to talk about this XFL CFL thing. Um, and if there's any other NFL yeah. stories, we could come back around to. So
1: yeah, I'll I'll I'll, yeah. I'll start with one because I'm going to say this right. because you're once a bigger one. I've tried again, I've tried hard, I've tried three times. I still cannot get into Good Morning Football. I keep trying, <laughs> it's not working. I try so hard. I tried for you, Cameron. I just want you to know that I tried hard. I don't like it. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Some people can't be helped, Paul. It's just one of those (laughs) things, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I I think you're right. Probably what I'll do now is I'll go and find some fairy lights and string them up in my man cave, because let's be honest, (laughs) life's over. Uh,
0: Yeah, it's time to retire, perhaps. Um, (laughs) Right. So the XFL and CFL. So messages come out from the XFL that they are investigating opportunities to align and what's the other words that they use? Innovate the game. There's not much more than that. It's nothing more than a, hey, here's something that we're doing. But it's interesting. Uh, And I think there's loads of questions come out of the back of this. I guess the fact that Dwayne The Rock Johnson played in the CFL means that he knows what it's like up there. But where do you see this going? Where do you think there's the opportunity to do that?
2: I've I've got two points and or questions about this. One, love the idea of a developmental league. Great. The fact that the AAF, the XFL, both were just terrible victims of circumstance. You know, the XFL possibly would have been fine had it not been for COVID. Um, you know, getting up developmental leagues, great. Love that. If this is a partnership between the two of them and it's one league, I need it to be NFL, XFL rules. I don't want three downs. I don't want a point for it going through the uprights. I don't want receivers that can run forwards until this snap and all those things that Canadian football I, I think it absolutely has its place. If it's going to be a developmental league, not for the NFL, but a league that they, you know, market as something that will be potentially future NFL players, make it NFL style rules, please.
1: I, I think it's interesting. If you're a fan of the Argonauts, the Wildcats, you know, whoever it may be, I don't think you're welcoming this because I think you're going to be getting away from the CFL rules. Now, I, I prefer the NFL rules, that's what I was brought up on. But the CFL's got its own place. It's got a load of history with the Grey Cup, etc. etc. I'm a big fan of protecting your heritage where possible and let's not sell out for cheap gimmicks. So I think The CFL has to be very, very careful here. It's got a big market in Canada. It's very well settled. It's reasonably well supported. But I think there's room for a developmental league, whatever that may bring. Now, whether that means playing in the spring, I think the AF was a great idea, and they just got totally taken out at the wrong time. The television will is there. The idea of expanding it to Canada might give you two different TV markets, which I think would be a smart idea. So if you could find a way of having a developmental league that you could piggyback some CFL players into it and have the XFL and somehow package that up over two markets, I think that's smart business. But I think you've got to be very, very careful. I think Canadian football has its own tradition, heritage and, and ways, and I wouldn't like to see that change just to make it part of a develop developmental league.
0: Yeah. No, I think I agree with that. I don't want them to sell their soul for the sake of something sensationalist uh, and something that gets them on the the radar and gets them on the map a little bit more it's it's a tough one because there is an opportunity there to perhaps grow get more people through the gates raise the overall overall standard of the game maybe there is a benefit to having the transition between the cfl and the nfl easier you know maybe they'll get better players there's certain rules there around the, the whole two-year residency thing um and things like that that have been set up to try and prevent players just using the CFL as a backup league. But actually, there's a there's a way that if they can control their own destiny and set the standard off it with the XFL, they can land on the outcome that they want without hopefully having to give up too much of what they don't want to give up. Um, and it feels progressive. And I think, do you know what? Let's have a look at it. Let's sit down. Let's draw some lines. Let's see where the, the lines of demarcation between the two leagues differ. Um, what's the benefit of then greying some of that space and see if there is common ground that can be found without sacrificing too much of the CFL and without making the XFL too different from the NFL to take away the very benefit that it can actually bring to the whole thing. Um, uh, but I'm all for them having a conversation. And again, the fact that the Rocks played in the CFL hopefully means he's respectful to that. Um uh, it's 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 interesting it's definitely interesting and then there's there's potential if that's a thing and i'm going to get really speculative now there's potential then to grow in markets outside of north america potentially with other elements of developmental leagues that try and get players from
1: around the world playing brings me on to another story because well but before you mention that there's, uh-huh. there's two points i'd like to make one is the more time and effort that the rock has to spend working on this does take him away from making films good thing or bad thing i don't know the, the, the other thing you, you've got to think is <laughs> there's, there's, his head the know, there's, there's two different things here There they're There is that old Scots thing of it's I been done like that, which I detest. And I also detest change for change's sake. So I think you, you articulated it well. We've got to think about this. One of the things that displeases me a lot is this eagerness to break out of the market that you're in to try and go to other places. Sometimes you've just got to accept you are what you are. You know, the NFL is strong in America. It's a great American sport. I don't want to see it in London. I don't, you know, I think there's just too many negatives. Sometimes you can overexpand your brand and cause yourself problems, especially if you're just chasing money. You've got to think about the history, the heritage, and the impact that it may have. I'm not for staying the same. I'm not for change for change's sake. But I think we've got to be very careful about, about these things. So that, that's basically where I was coming from.
0: Yep, I think it's a fair point. The one other story that I was going to come into on the back of this, and I don't know if the two of you have seen this, but the European League of Football has added two new teams after agreement with the NFL. From next year, the Hamburg Sea Devils and the Frankfurt Galaxy will be part of the new competition that's being set up. So it's the new European League of Football, the ELF, which is ELF, you might have thought about that one, boys. Um, <laughs> has agreed a deal with the NFL for the naming rights of two further, two NFL Europe teams. So the Seed Devils and the Frankfurt Galaxy will now compete as franchises in the ELF ELF, uh, in its debut season, set to kick off in June. Um so the other teams that are going to be in this, and I will pronounce this completely wrong. Uh, Rollclaw Panthers, Barcelona Gladiators, the Stuttgart Scorpions, the German Knights, 1367, Niederschlagens, and no, I'm not even going to try that. Um, and the Ingolstadt. Yeah, whatever. Um, as well as a franchise from Berlin, which is going to be part of this as well. So here's the here's the next part to the puzzle. Is that where, if you're the XFL and you're the CFL and you can find common ground, is there then the opportunity to look beyond that and start looking at a European league and uh, an Asian league or a South American league where there's developmental players from across the globe finding a platform uh, in a way that these leagues can all interconnect in some way uh, and, and grow the game across the globe without needing the NFL to do it? I'm not saying bring back the Scottish Claymores, although I would, but is there an opportunity to make that developmental league worldwide and increase the standard of game across the world without necessarily going down the route of we need a London franchise to make this a success?
2: I think we had the AAF go bust mid-season. The XFL version 2.0 failed because of COVID because they weren't able to sustain beyond that. I would be very surprised if there was any rush to develop into those things, because it feels like just massively risking money that isn't 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 there.
1: I guess It's all about the money. If there's money to be made, they'll do it. If there's not, they won't. If you can imagine if they'd set something up a year ago and all of a sudden COVID hits and everything gets wiped out, I think there's going to be a lot of risk averse investment coming up. And that's why it's safer to do it within Canada or within the states, perhaps across border, if you can make it work. I think probably the pandemic has set back certain amounts of development by a few years at least. Right. I've got got two. I've got one that everyone's going to be sitting listening to this wondering, why have
2: you not properly had a conversation about this yet? And I've got one that I think is really interesting. Probably need to talk about Dak Prescott's new contract properly.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Fine. I um, Look, I, I, I think it's good that they finally got it done. The really interesting thing is that they prioritised signing Ezekiel Elliott a couple of seasons ago and have probably done themselves out of $10 million a year because it's now $40 million a year for Dak. And I think three players who are most happy to see what Dak Prescott got are probably Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield. Because those three guys are going to threaten Patrick Mahomes next with the way this is going.
0: Which as a sentence is mental. Like what <laughs> imagine if Baker Mayfield ends up on a bigger contract than Patrick Mahomes.
2: That's- if I was if I was the Ravens, Bills or Browns, right now I would want to get a deal done first. Because the other guy's probably getting half a million to a million more a year, and the final guy to go is probably getting two million a year more.
0: It's absolutely fascinating. I, I, I guess I'm I'm not surprised they wanted to get this done. There was murmurings that they were going to move on from Dak Prescott. I don't think that was ever on the cards at all. He's been their guy, and he's been their guy for a while. Obviously, missed so much off last season. Um, we got to see him come back. We've got to see him come back and and show that he's still capable of leading this team. But you know, let's be honest. In the division that he's in, he could come back and quite easily win that division with the Cowboys because the teams around are still not particularly brilliant and I don't anticipate any of them to take a massive leap forward so for the Cowboys they secure their man Uh, it's a lot of money but we know that that's what quarterbacks get I think it makes sense uh, and I think that they can move forward with some certainty so on that basis I, I think it's a good move
1: and your
2: other your other story, Gordon. So the other one, this this one I think is really interesting. It's the it's the time of year where we get new NFL rule suggestions, mm-hmm. and teams put things forward. This falls under the category of it's almost definitely not going to happen. I think it'd be really interesting. So the Ravens have proposed an overtime rule change. It would go back to sudden death, but whoever wins the coin toss. Yep, I did say that right. And not coin toss. Good. Uh, <laughs> You would get the choice on whether or not you want to um, pick the ball or pick the spot. If you pick the ball, the other team get to decide where the ball is spotted. And if you choose to spot the ball, you choose to spot the ball and the other team pick whether or not they get the ball or they give it to you. So sudden death overtime, but rather than you get a possession starting from the 30-yard line, which is roughly where it would be, the Ravens say, "Okay, we're going to pick where the ball's spotted. We're spotting at the one-yard line, and you've got to then decide: Okay, am I giving them the ball and forcing them to go from the one, knowing that we we're going to get it, or are we going to take the ball from the one and try and drive? You'd only need a field goal. I think it's really interesting.
1: Hey, what? <laughs> no. Yeah, I, 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 I've been, I've been reading about this as well. So basically." you're setting a challenge for the other team mm-hmm. and that allows you to play to your strengths. So if you think your defence is better than your offence, you put the other team in a good offensive situation and you look for the stop. Simple as that. And then you hope to be in a better position. I'm, I'm with you, Gordon. I don't think it'll happen. I think it's too complicated. Although it sounds sounds simple enough, I think it's too complicated and I don't see them going for it because I think that they reckon you would be round right about the is it thirty-five yard line, something like that? I mean, there's all sorts of statistics that back up what what the Ravens are proposing. I don't see it going ahead. I'd be, I'd still be more interested in having a, a fourth and fifteen play f- to try and get the ball back rather yeah, than an onside
2: kick. The thing as well that I find fascinating with it is why would not? I, just... I mm-hmm. sorry, are, are oh, you no. Are you so, finish your point? There's there's absolute shitebaggery in this proposal from the Ravens as well. Because sudden death overtime favours good kickers. And the Ravens have got arguably the best kicker of all time. It's absolute shitebaggery by them because they're trying to sneak that in. It's also the interesting thing is from some of our guys at PFF have already done studies. I think it would lower the the playing time in overtime to seven minutes, 30 seconds. So it would drop again from 10. But the average drive time would allow for three drives. So it would be interesting to see like Teams you would probably be smart even if the ball's at the one to take the ball because you only need to gain thirty yards, punt the ball, you get the ball back, you can still score and win. So let,
0: let me let me follow this through before I, I chip in and, and give my opinions because so the scenario here is in overtime there uh, the the Ravens so hang on. There's no coin toss, you said?
2: No, there is. There, there, is, a there is a coin toss. So yeah, the Ravens I so anyway, yeah.
0: the Ravens win the coin toss. That means that they get to either choose to have the ball, or choose where the ball starts from. Yes. Yeah. So they choose the one yard line, and the opposition yep. go, "You have at it, lads. You have at it." Okay. So from mm-hmm. the one yard line, they make it to the thirty, and then the kicker field goal. They get three points. Does that mean they win the game? Yes. Right. See, so, pesh. Okay. So um, why are we not just adopting what they do in college, which is brilliant? Because it's terrible,
2: and it's not. It's fair. It's right. It's not. It's, it's not fair. Overtime. It's terrible. Why is it terrible? Co- college College overtime is horrible. Oh, it's so it's entertaining. It's not though, and, and then they force them can't... to go into. Now it's dreadful.
0: I I just I like that. This game's <laughs> going to be decided over a chit chat. Like oh, so what's going to happen? You're going to you, unless you're sticking the microphone under and and doing this. You're going to be like as a fan. In the stadium or on the telly, you're going to be sitting watching a coin toss, knowing who's won it. The refs are going to place a ball somewhere, and you're going to go, what the hell's happening next? No, just keep it simple. I love the the NCAA rules are simple, they're <laughs> clean, they're entertaining. Fine, it benefits offense. But you know what? You've got to be able to score points to win games. I think a message has been passed.
1: <laughs> my colleagues
0: that i have not been privy to um
1: uh, uh, well well l- l- let me tell you we-, we have a screenshot of how you looked while we were trying to explain that and what i'm going to do is i will make sure that Gordon... I-, I think we've got to put that up as a caption competition ah honking Balfin, all of I those things.
2: I think it's great. And, and also... Listen, it's I'm all
0: for change. I'm all for, I'm all for trying new stuff. But I just... I cannot imagine a scenario... When you're sitting at the game going, what's happening? Oh, I don't know, mate. We'll just have to sit here and wait. And then the referee will come on and say some palaver about the, the three-yard... And there'll be some analytics pish. Oh, if it starts at the two, it means that are more likely to go for it. Uh, but if you put it at the three, uh, the defense might just say, well, fancy it in front of the three. And it's, not, be... it's, not even, it's not even some uh, analytics
2: pish. The, the the idea and suggestion of the rule is entirely analytics-driven. Ah. Uh, Go away!
0: No, I love a bit of analytics, but
2: no, so, no. So, to, it's, see if you don't want if you don't want overtime. Current overtime sucks. Old overtime I, sucks. Yeah. College overtime sucks. I don't think it. Does. See if you want. See if you don't want to do away with overtime. The one thing that Americans just will not accept is that there's actually nothing wrong with a tie. End <laughs> yes. it at zero zero. <laughs> it's a tie. Yes. Because so what do or, you do in the
0: postseason? What do you do in the postseason?
2: On postseason, it's just sudden death, and you just keep going. But.
1: So it's the sudden death element it's the in a, it's a whole will I'll be the voice of reason here I think you should at least get one position in overtime both teams I think that's the fairest way to do it however I mean Cameron you look like you're auditioning for Rab C. Nesbitt so it's absolutely <laughs> brilliant and I, uh, I, would, I would take one position
0: each I would take one yeah, position each that's it and Go I would do it, that one. no matter what the first team does you get to match yes. it and if you don't match it it's done and then at that point it's done um, and then, I mean, there's still then the argument that says, okay, fine, field goal, field goal, field goal, then the team that wins the toss wins just because they got the ball first. So for me, the, there's too much power on that coin toss. you got to get rid of that. I think you, to get, you get the opportunity to match the outcome um, or better it. And if you better the outcome on the drive, then you win the game. I think field goal, field goal, field goal back again then you get another chance. and it, it, The, word,
2: just, the words much. field
1: goal have just lost all meaning. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, what's, what's wrong with Boaties getting the ball once from their own 30-yard line? So basically, if yeah. I get the ball at 30-yard line, if I can either score a, a, a field goal or a touchdown, that's great. If I don't, the other team simply gets the ball at the 30 and they go. Yeah. But it's none of this punting nonsense and all that sort of thing. Just, you know, just an absolute go from your own 30 the maximum is say three drives. If, you know, we've got to think about time and the player safety and things like that, perhaps only to do that way and, and just see where you get from there. I think that would be more interesting and more fair rather than you can, you can lose basically by a guy winning a coin toss and booting, you know, booting a field goal. Yes.
0: And I agree with that. And at that point, because my dinner's in the oven, that's the full-time whistle for episode 139. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Make sure that you share your thoughts on this absolute rambling nonsense on Twitter, at Scotland NFL, and on Facebook by searching for NFL Scotland.
1: Our thanks to Gordon beginners of the NFL Scotland team and PFF for joining us his wide receiver hopes and dreams can continue for another week at least Cameron well we have to post that picture on our Twitter feed there's no doubt about that (laughs) the man in the San Francisco hat with the loads of hair underneath you will get to see thanks for joining us we'll be back as soon as we can with more news from free agency until then from Cameron from Gordon myself thanks for listening bye for now